The heaviness of the Covenant school shooting in Nashville is weighing heavy on our hearts, so we felt like God wanted us to process this out loud today on our podcast with you. We don't profess to be the experts, but we'll share our experiences and some of the writings and teachings from leaders, both in our faith and other faiths, that have helped us navigate hard times like these. If you've been feeling helpless and frustrated about what happened in Nashville last week, I hope this episode can provide a safe space to process those feelings and help guide you to the places where we've found peace and understanding. Okay, today we tried to start recording an Easter episode, and I had lots of great notes and things that I wanted to share, and it just didn't feel right. And even, I don't know if you know this about our podcast, but we pray before every episode, whether it's just Neil and me or a guest. And sometimes, every once in a while, whatever we prepared, we have to throw it out the window and do something completely different. And today was one of those days where we both were having kind of stupor of thought we were trying to go through this Easter topic and it just was not coming together. And I finally just said, I think we need to just have a real raw conversation about how we're feeling. And yesterday the school shooting happened in Tennessee and Neil and I have lots of feelings about it and big, big feelings about how it felt to drop our kids off at school today and have a conversation with them on the way to school. And we're going to process that, share some things that have been helpful to us when we've been in situations similar to this, not the same, but similar. And even with a topic like this, there's a temptation to be like, no, we can't talk about it because someone's going to nitpick this with a fine tooth comb and find something that you or I say that's not perfect and just roast us for it. That's that, that temptation is there for sure. But Neil and I went to a podcast conference a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas, and the most impactful thing that happened to me while we were there was listening to a panel that Lance Bass was on. There was someone on that panel who she basically said, listen, I can go to sleep at night knowing that I speak truth and I am completely authentic and I leave nothing on the table and I sleep well every night because I just am who I am and I I bring it all. And I missed an opportunity to talk to Lance Bass to instead go up to this person and say, I want you to know that what you said impacted me so much that I have told my husband, hold me to it. I am going to be more like this. So Neil and I are just going to have a conversation today, kind of process some of our feelings. And if we say something that's imperfect, hopefully you'll hold space for us that we are imperfect people and that we're human and trying to go through all of the different challenges and thoughts and feelings that surround this topic of school shootings and gun violence in our country and having our children protected and and all of that and why bad things happen to good people. Neil, what are some of your initial thoughts? Initially, that's such a tough one to even tip into. Obviously, my the the typical things come to mind, but they're from the heart. I think they're they're very honest and true. Of like, my heart goes out to the families, and and it's hard being a father, being 
a parent not to feel that and not to think like, wow, my kid's going to come home today. And to be in that situation where you don't get the good news of like, hey, your kid's going to be all right. He was fine. They found he was at the pickup spot or whatever. Like for, for three families, they didn't get that. And in a different way, in a different light, I mean, I, I, I don't even, I just hesitate to even draw anything. It's okay, Neil. Somewhat we- of a comparison. But it's like, I remember getting similar news about my brother. Like, hey, he's going to be fine. They're going to find him. My brother was killed a few years ago, was was shot in an well, incident. Hold on. But- let's not race through that. Let's, let's process that a little bit. And I think you've got to stop worrying so much that you're going to offend someone by sharing your personal experience. Yeah. Because no, to me, totally. I look at it and I'm like, this is one area where we can offer personal experience that maybe will help someone else in a positive way. And we'll get to that in a minute, but, but let's process that. I remember finding out when you were gone, you were picking something up for me at Macy's. I was at home doing a photo shoot and you were picking something up for me for that photo shoot. And my best friend from Utah texted me and said, is this your brother and, or Neil's brother? And it was a tweet from Salt Lake City Police Department that David Stoko was missing and a picture of him and his car. So I called you, you were on the phone with your mom, and then we three-way called, we all looped each other in and found out, oh, Dave's missing. And at that moment, what did you feel when you heard your brother was missing? I mean, all of the full range of emotions, just like what, like confusion or disbelief, kind of like, no, he can't be missing. No one's missing nowadays. Like people have phones, there's a miscommunication. But I think it wasn't until uh, we watched like a live police broadcast and I heard the way that they were talking and and looked at a, they they were at the outside of the, the home where they were trying to find my brother and where an incident happened. And I, that was when it was like, this is a big deal. This is not. This isn't just this he is, lost his phone somewhere. It wasn't just like, hey, he's he's out of cell phone range and we can't find him. This is this is a big deal. So at that point, it it turned. But even throughout the the course of the afternoon, when we didn't know and we were trying to figure it out, like there was a part of me that was like, hey, this is going to be fine. He's going to be all right. We're we're gonna I'm gonna get the call and it's gonna be a positive mm-hmm. one. And in that situation. It wasn't. I mean, I, I got the phone call and it was, it was like, 10 know, o'clock like at hey, night. he's, yeah. you know, he is dead. I've had that happen twice to me in my life with another brother that, that died by suicide when I was 12, like being told by an officer in front of our house, your brother's deceased. Like, so I understand in a different way, getting news like that, that type of news and what you go through. And it, and it is, it's, it's just... And also you bring a little bit of a unique perspective of knowing what it is like as a child to find out that someone died from like a traumatic situation. Yeah. And it's different. You don't understand. I mean, I was 13 when that happened and getting that news, you're trying to wrap your head around that because all you know is your own little world of your friends and riding bikes and going to school and playing and that's your world as it should be. You shouldn't have to worry about stuff like this. No. But when it does happen, it's so out of your realm and it can just be totally overwhelming. So I remember those feelings and and having to navigate that process. 
I think a lot of people are feeling a wide range of emotion right now, including you and me. I mean, I think this morning it felt, well, you had, you were describing that in an even better way than I could when you were like, we can't. Yeah. That, that was, I don't know, it's hard as a parent to be in that situation to, we're trying to talk to our kids on the way to school to, to address the incident. Because I didn't want some, some kid to context. be like, hey, did you hear what happened? Yeah, yeah. And, and get some, to be able to put it in a context of some sort of safety or understanding or give them an opportunity to talk to us about it. So we're having this conversation and I'm talking to our kids. And I think what bothered me walking away from that conversation was, is I could not give them an unequivocal, this won't happen ever at your school or in your life. Like you are 100% safe. Like it bothered me and it still bothers me that I can't give that guarantee. And so I think that's been hard to, to kind of deal with in thinking about this incident. Well, and we got an email from their school and it's, it's good, but it's also disturbing to read them saying we do drills for this kind of thing. It's good because you want there to be a plan. But it's also just sickening to be like, we have to, our kids have to have a drill to know that's, what to do. That's the reality of the world that we live in is that that is happening and it is, it's not just an isolated incident. I mean, we used to do earthquake drills as a kid in elementary school, like monthly. And I think I went in Utah, I lived through one earthquake the entire time. We've had more earthquakes living here. Living here in California. But, but the point being is like, we only had to do, you know, and that wasn't even at school when the earthquake happened, but it, the reality, it's a little sobering to think like doing those drills now and, and you've got so many incidents to where the likelihood, you know, who, who knows? They're more, likely, more to likely to live through that than an earthquake in school. So I, not to be, I don't, I don't want to make things negative or turn things negative, but I think it's just very sobering to go through these type of experiences and it causes a lot of emotions to come up and reflect that, that need to be addressed and worked through. It's trying to figure that out. Well, let's talk about what you just said that it bothered you that you had to drop our kids off and not give them a hundred percent assurance that nothing bad would happen to them. And I know I've brought this up before and it's like a cheesy analogy, but on finding Nemo. That's, that's what I was going to ask you. The you Nemo. Knew I was going to bring that I know, up. Well, because it's, but it's, it's, it's a light example, but it's, but it is true. Right. Where the dad is like, I promise nothing would ever happen to him. And Dory looks at him and goes, well, if nothing ever happens to him, then nothing would ever happen to him. And I think of our Heavenly Father sending us down to this very imperfect world with a whole bunch of imperfect humans and with agency knowing that there would be good and evil in the world and how that must have felt for him to say, okay, here, you, like I have to just turn you guys loose and know that some people are not going to make good choices. And that is why we have a savior to, to turn to, which we'll talk about in a second. But this always really helps me. I don't even remember where I stumbled upon this years ago. But it's one of the four things that I always, always have bookmarked in my gospel library, which is an app that I use to study my scriptures and study other spiritual topics. But this is a writing by Spencer W. Kimball back in, I don't even know when he wrote this, the 70s or the 80s or something. 
but it has helped me a lot. And I have named it in my phone. You can name different bookmarks. Like I have a bookmark for my personal scripture reading every day. And this I've named why bad things happen to good people. So he goes through lots of different scenarios, like two automobiles crashed when one went through a red light and six people were were killed. Why would God not prevent this? And why was a little child allowed to drown and another was run over? And he goes through all these different horrible, horrible scenarios. And he says, I wish I could answer these questions with authority, but I cannot. I am sure that sometime we'll understand and be reconciled. But for the present, we must seek understanding as best we can in gospel principles. Was it the Lord who directed the plane into the mountain to snuff out the lives of its occupants? Or were there mechanical faults or human errors? Did our Father in heaven cause the collision of the cars that took six people into eternity? Or was it the error of the driver who ignored safety rules? Did God take the life of the young mother or prompt the child to toddle into the canal or guide the other child into the path of the oncoming car? Did the Lord cause a man to suffer a heart attack? Was the death of a missionary untimely? Answer, if you can. I cannot, for though I know God has a major role in our lives, I do not know how much he causes to happen and how much he merely permits. Whatever the answer to this question, there is another I feel sure about. Could the Lord have prevented these tragedies? The answer is yes. The Lord is omnipotent with all power to control our lives, save us pain, prevent all accidents, drive all planes and cars, feed us, protect us, save us from labor, effort, sickness, even from death, if he will, but he will not. We should be able to understand this because we can realize how unwise it would be for us to shield our children from all effort, from disappointments, temptations, sorrows, and suffering. The basic gospel law is free agency and eternal development. To force us to be careful or righteous would be to nullify the fundamental law and make growth impossible. You think about that. I've thought about that. Like, why didn't God just save Dave? Why didn't he just cause something to happen so that he lost his keys that day or so that a police officer happened to be walking by and intervened? Or You know what I mean? There's, There's I have so had those easily, thoughts. I've thought about that too. There's so many easy ways that could have like you're talking like the difference of five minutes or yeah. 10 minutes or one thing he gets hung up on and that would have changed the outcome work calls him in he can't go to evict the tenants what, whatever yeah. happens you know whatever scenarios and sometimes that happens and you hear those stories it's like just in the nick of time this happened and it prevented this tragedy or this accident and wow like how how amazing or like this divine intervention but other times it it doesn't and, and maybe there's, I think that can be the source of, of a lot of struggle and frustration or our misunderstanding or directing anger at God. But I, I think for me, what I, what I can say, and I can only speak to my own personal experience and I don't, I, I think it wouldn't be appropriate really for me to speak to another person's experience. But I know in those situations for me, I did learn and I came out of, and am coming, coming out of those experiences with things and, and knowledge and understanding, kindness and compassion that I think although those incidents did happen, I feel like God took that and he made it into something beautiful for me personally in by way of refinement and becoming better in a lot of ways and in impacting 
good in a lot of ways and and turning something that that was such a a tragedy and tragic situation into an opportunity to to help others to if that makes sense totally but that's been my experience personally as I've gone through these things but it doesn't change the fact that it's hard i mean and and you do have emotions and you do have feelings before we move away from this topic i wanted to share the second part of that thing that I have bookmarked and we'll put it in the show notes so you can locate it too. But this is the second part of what Spencer W. Kimball says. If all the sick for whom we prayed were healed, if all the righteous were protected and the wicked destroyed, the whole program of the father would be annulled and the basic principle of the gospel free agency would be ended. No man would have to live by faith. If joy and peace and rewards were instantaneously given the doer of good, there could be no evil. All would do good, but not because of the rightness of doing good. There would be no test of strength, no development of character, no growth of powers, no free agency, only satanic controls. Should all prayers be immediately answered according to our selfish desires and our limited understanding, then there would be little to no suffering, sorrow, disappointment, or even death and If these were not, there would be also no joy, success, resurrection, nor eternal life and Godhood. So I think that you look at that and you're like, yeah, if if God just made us, required us to make all perfect decisions and all wickedness was destroyed off the face of the earth and all you were left with was righteousness, it wouldn't actually be righteousness. It wouldn't be like making good choices because it wouldn't be a choice between good and evil. We would just be robots that came here to make all perfect decisions. So a loving, wise Heavenly Father allows us to live in an imperfect world so that we can gain understanding and growth and depth of character and go through things that we would not be able to learn otherwise. And I keep thinking of Bobby and tummy time, and I this might sound silly, but we've got a little baby who has, when we took him to his two-month checkup, the doctor was feeling his head and said, oh, he has a little bit of a flat spot here. So we were like, oh, okay, what do we do? Because we've never had that before. And he said, he needs to have insane amounts of tummy time and then try to turn his head in the crib when you see him turning the way that is comfortable for him to lay because he only liked to lay one way, which is looking to his left. So he had a little bit of a flat spot on his head from only laying that way. So we have done that. We've done insane amounts of tummy time and he has hated it. And it's hard. It's hard to set him down and on his tummy and hear him just scream and cry and hate it. But I, I'll go over and pat his back and just say, it's okay, buddy. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I know you hate this, but this is, this is what the doctor told us to do, and this is going to be for your benefit. And this could also literally save your life because he's got to get those neck muscles strong enough that he could lift his head up if it ever, you know, if he ever was in a position where his face was burrowed down into a sleeping position that wasn't safe. So I know that that's like a teeny tiny example on the grand scale of life, but it is sometimes hard to sit back and watch your kids struggle through something, but you know that if you picked up your baby every time they cried and walked around with them, you'd have a five-year-old eventually that you were carrying around and you never let them take their first few steps and fall down. 
because you didn't want them to fail. Like that's how our Heavenly Father has to allow us to live in this very imperfect world too and make mistakes and learn from them and and also be in a world of a bunch of other humans making mistakes. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I, I think my mind just keeps coming back to like, there has to be agency. Like that was such a core part of, and is like the, the whole thing is based on agency in order to, for things to happen, for learning and growth to, to happen, there has to be good and evil. And, and for, for there, for us to be able to have agency, we have to have two opposing choices. There has to be right and wrong and bad and good. And so that component, like we can't be spared from it. And that induces a response from others using their agency that's not always favorable. And in a lot of situations is is really detrimental. So understanding that, I mean, for the first time in my life, I had run into a situation with my brother where it did have to do with the agency of others, where it wasn't a, a situation. It was a situation where somebody else's choices had a drastic impact and effect, lifelong eternal effect on what would happen to my family. And then the fallout of that would be felt for several years afterwards. So understanding those components that when you run into a situation like this, or when I have ran into those situations in my life, yeah, it is very sobering to see the reality of it and to, to see the side of it that can be so brutal. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's not, it can't rain all the time. Like on the flip side of it, there are beautiful things in life. And even in those, those situations and in, in our situation, when after Dave died, some of the most amazing displays of human spirit and people being just outpouring of love and coming together and community, like in the face of one of the worst things that's happened to me in my life, we saw some of the most amazing connections and beautiful things, human spirit display that I've ever seen in my life. There is a contrast to it as well, Mm -hmm. but it is because of that, that ability to have agency and for their good and, and evil to exist in the world that enables that also really good things to yeah. happen and beautiful things. Yeah. And one of the things that I felt super compelled to share yesterday on Instagram right after this happened was, you know, I kept seeing immediately I started seeing people saying no more thoughts and prayers and your thoughts and prayers don't work. And I understand the sentiment behind that. The sentiment is quit saying, oh, your thought, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And then nothing changes. And I agree. Like we can't just change nothing and allow nine-year-olds to be shot in school. That is not okay. And, and we need to come to a conclusion, like a something that actually enacts change. I am completely 100% on board with that. What we're doing is not working. So, but at the same time, when I kept seeing no more thoughts and prayers, I was like, no, the prayers, like we need prayers more than ever right now. We need to, I sincerely got on my knees last night and poured out my heart to Heavenly Father. And I did it again this morning and said, please, God, help us just help the people that are in positions of power, those who are against any kind of 
gun law reform that their hearts will be softened and the people who can start making quick and swift decisions that they will be divinely led to things that will actually work because I don't care how much you say that I've seen people say like no this is simple it's not simple it's so nuanced there are so many like okay let's take one example of let's just ban all guns okay, I'm open to that idea, but how many people already own guns? How many people already have guns in their homes right now? Even if we stopped the sale of guns in the United States of America today, how are you going to get all the guns from all the people that already own them? So that's, I mean, there are no simple solutions is what I'm getting to. So last night I prayed my guts out about like, I am a mother who cares about children in this country and we've got to do something different. This cannot become the norm. When I watched the video today of the police officers going in, raiding the school and breaking into classroom after classroom looking for the shooter, and I'm seeing these little desks that little kids sit at, I was like, this is not okay. This is, it's so disturbing. So, but do I feel like thoughts and prayers are worthless? No, (laughs) not. We need to pray for those families who they're the little children. I mean, we have a second grader and a fourth grader. So right in between those ages, three third graders did not go home yesterday. You better believe I was pouring my heart out also to Heavenly Father, please bless and comfort and wrap those people in love and that their needs within their community will be met and the people who are close to them will know how to comfort them and and serve them and love them. Just like Neil's saying, like, seeing that outpouring of love and that hopefully the people that know them personally will know how to come to them in their hour of need. What I felt so strongly too last night before I went to bed was the spirit telling me you need to talk about your experience with feeling the power of collective prayer and we've done a podcast episode all about this but it has come to me a couple of times at sporting events and I know that sounds weird but at a huge sporting event if you've ever been to one where it's deafening the the just the cheers of like a crowd of people like we've been to the Rose Bowl with 50,000 something people and we went to the NFL stadium in Las Vegas the year before last year for the Pac-12 championship game. And that is an indoor dome. So you can just, you're, you start to not even be able to hear anything. It's so loud in there. But my point of bringing that up is if you've ever been to a sporting event where everyone is on their feet cheering so loud, you can feel that energy. It is energetic. It's almost like you can cut through it. It's so palpable. Imagine that same type of energy with people all around the country or all around the world praying for one one united purpose, which is let's pray for these families. And being on the receiving end of that, being on the receiving end of feeling the prayers that people were saying right after we found out that Dave had been shot and killed, it was the most powerful witness to me of collective prayer that I've ever felt in my life. I don't know that I'll ever feel it on that scale again. And the thought that came to me last night was you need to use 
your experience as a testimony to people that their prayers do count and that it does matter. It does matter that we pray for these people who are facing just beyond horrific circumstances. And when this podcast comes out in a week on Monday, April 3rd, fewer people will be praying for them than today on March 28th, because that's just how our world works. Like the farther you get away from it, the farther, the fewer people will be thinking about it. If you're listening to this and you're the type of person that prays, I challenge you to keep praying for those families and for the people who are going to feel that loss for a really, really long time. And for the children who witnessed that, for the children who watched their classmates get shot. I mean, there just are so many people in this scenario that need prayers. And I just have to like witness and testify that I have felt that stadium-like energy of people praying for us. And it is real and it helps. And someone said to us right when this happened, that something about like, you will feel these prayers and you will feel, you'll be able to tell once people kind of stop praying and and they go on with their lives because you'll feel an absence of that feeling of being carried and carried by those prayers. Do you remember that? Do you remember someone saying that to us? I remember something. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. I don't either, but it was real. Experiencing that. But it happened because like a couple of few months later, I did feel that absence. It was like people kind of move on with their lives. And I understand that. But there was a stark difference between what it felt like during those first two or three weeks where it almost felt like I was shielded from some of the reality and the harshness and the darkness of what was going to come. And I was able to be carried through the very, very hardest time in the very beginning. Yeah. I agree. And I remember the same thing happening, especially I, I remember specifically when I was 13, I heard my, found out my brother had, had died by suicide. I remember the next day, like feeling so much peace and so much spiritual strength and, and in a weird way, like joy, if that, I don't know, because of the, the prayers and the, and the, I could, I knew so many people were praying but I remember riding my bike to school after I didn't go to school. And so I rode my bike over to the school and popped in and was like, talked to my teachers. I'm like, Hey, let me grab my homework. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like, how are you doing? You know? And, but I remember that feeling of riding my bike over to the school and just being so elevated and so like blessed and feeling so much spiritual power. And, and I do believe that 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 comes from the prayers of others. And I remember feeling the same thing when Dave died. I remember being just the out, you just feel so much love from others as they're, they're, they're praying. And I think you can do, I, from my own experience, I learned that I could take that two ways. Like when those type of scenarios happen and these big traumatic moments happen, I found myself and I've seen other people do it. It can either drive you to God or drive you away. And I Mm -hmm. think there is an agency component because there's a temptation to do both. There's a temptation to feel that and to accept it and to be grateful and, and feel the spirit in your life and, and enhance and grow on that and use that as your framework. 
or there's a temptation also to get angry and bitter yeah. and how can this happen and why and, and why, why didn't f- God stop that? Yeah, We've I went through this. Yeah. I went through this and, and I went through both and ultimately feel like I've, I've come back around and worked my way through that. And as part of that process had to deal with those, those feelings, it's hard not to have those. But to your point about feeling almost like you're on another level of spiritual just in tuneness that's not the right word but i'm just i'm thinking of a couple of women i know whose husbands have passed away and they've told me they feel so close to their spouse because they're doing everything they can to stay close to the spirit to stay close to god and to feel that connection one person i've really been impressed with who's done such a good job of that was our friend Emily from Saranoni. She has talked about this on on Instagram and then in private conversations with me about how she's just leaned on God so hard since her husband passed away. He got cancer and passed away pretty quickly. I think it was just, you know, a couple months that they knew what was happening and then he was gone really quickly. And they have six kids and I believe six kids. She's continued to be a single parent and run this business and do all these things. And she's told me that staying close to heaven and to God has allowed her to stay close to him. And I believe that. And I remember her telling me that and feeling the spirit of the truth of that. And that's what I think we can lean on right now while, and I just, I don't want to be misunderstood. Again, there. what we're doing is not working and we need political change, period. I usually never get political, but what we're doing to protect our children is obviously clearly not working. So something needs to change and the way that you enact change is politically. It's by your vote. It's by contacting your representatives. Everyone's going to have to decide what feels right for them with that because there's no easy way to say, this is the obvious answer. Go do X, Y, Z. But in the meantime, I think it's okay to take a minute to gather information, to see what your options are, to watch what these politicians do who are in power. And and while we wait and while we watch and while we see what happens, you can be praying and trying to stay close to God and to the Spirit and feel that peace come into your life and pray for the people who are most affected to also have that peace come over them. Yeah. I think as well, I'm, I'm just thinking about in these situations as well, what I've gone through in trying to stay to your point of staying close to the spirit. I noticed that as well. Like the, the closer that I can stay spiritually, the more I can engage in spiritual activities and the things that I know that draw me close to the spirit, like reading my scriptures, prayer, especially trying to listen to uplifting music or positive talks or whatever it may be, going to church, going to the temple, whatever your spiritual engagement looks like. Those are the times where things are clearer for me in those periods of time and that I feel closest to the person as well. I think during those times spiritually, I I had the same experiences where I really felt, I've never felt, cl- you know, I'd moved away from Utah several years ago, hadn't talked to my brother a lot. We'd talk on the phone, 
so I, there was a little bit of distance there in the last couple of years before he died. But I, since he passed, I feel closer to him in so many ways. I feel like he's always with me, but there is a little bit of a contingency to it. And it is contingent on how spiritually, how much spiritual action I'm taking, how much I'm opening myself up to the spirit. And when I do those things, it's like I can I can just feel them with me all the time. So I do think that there's something for me that I've seen in my life. There's something to that for sure. I really like what Harold Kushner says about when bad things happen to good people. He wrote such a good book. He's a Jewish rabbi and I adore him. And he wrote about this topic and he said, we can't pray that God makes our lives free from problems. This won't happen. And it is probably just as well. We can't ask him to make us and those we love immune to diseases because he can't do that. We can't ask him to weave a magic spell around us so that bad things will only happen to other people and never to us. People who pray for miracles usually don't get miracles any more than children who pray for bicycles, good grades, or good boyfriends get them as a result of praying. But people who pray for courage, for strength to bear the unbearable, for the grace to remember what they have left instead of what they have lost, very often find their prayer answered. And while I the little tiny nuance there where he says about miracles, I still believe that miracles happen. And I believe that what Jesus taught us and and what we see every day around us can be miracles. At the same time, what he's trying to teach here is we can't just pray for God to be a vending machine. We can't pray for him to just give us everything that we ask for and only good things happen around us. But we can pray for courage. We can pray for strength. We can pray for grace. We can pray for understanding and kindness and empathy. And that was one other thing that I really wanted to throw out there is remember to be kind. Remember to be human. Remember to be understanding that everyone is most likely going through some stage of grief processing this. And of course, it's going to be dramatically different for a family who lost a child yesterday versus someone who lives in California whose children came home safe yesterday. But at the same time, like when Dave died, so many people reached out to us and said, I'm in the real estate community. I'm a realtor. And this this feels close to home for me. This is personal for me. And I'm going to do things differently when I go to evict tenants from now on. And there are going to be people who feel so emotionally charged and like they have all the answers. And we've got to maintain a spirit of humanity and kindness as we navigate these challenges, because you are going to have neighbors who feel like the answer is more guns and more protection through guns and more police officers at schools with guns. And then you're going to have people who say, well, these countries completely banned guns and they haven't had a, a mass shooting since. There's logic in in both of those. The, neither one of those is completely stupid. Neither of them is perfect either. There, there are flaws with every possible solution out there. So while we figure this out, while we navigate what's right and while you figure out what feels right for you, I would also challenge you to have an extra measure of kindness, of understanding, of wanting to show tolerance and love to everyone around us. Because fighting with each other 
is only going to heighten anger and heighten all of the negative emotions that are going to cause people to not make great decisions. So, you know, I feel like Satan just has a heyday with stuff like this because he loves to pit one person against another. He loves to make everyone feel black and white and these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. Like, no, most of us, most people in the United States of America are good people who are horrified by what happened and they just want safety for our children. Most of us all have the same common goal. So we've got to be kind and loving to each other while we figure out what the solution is. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, my final thoughts would be somewhere along the lines of, again, I think you can take this, you can go the way of turning to God and being exercising faith and, and opening yourself up to spiritual solutions or turn away. And I think having some been someone who has done both at different times in their life, I never found a lot of success in turning away from God and being angry. I never found a lot of success or happiness. And I don't think anything good ever came of that for me or for those around me. There are times in life where there aren't answers. There's a lot of things that happen surrounding my brother's death that I do not have answers on, nor will I probably ever. And there is a component of, of having to accept that and be okay with that. And it does require a lot of faith and trust in God, faith that one, there is a God, faith that there is a plan and faith that there are reasons that, that, and, and things that I don't understand that I can't comprehend, but, but God does. And since he's perfect, I can rely on that and I can trust it and I can, and choose to open myself up and be willing to try and follow him. And as I try, my experience has been that he, he blesses me with maybe not understanding logistically, but with peace in, in my heart with a feeling of, you know what, it's going to be okay. In the end, I believe it is, it is going to be okay and, and everything's going to work out, but we need him through those times. And so turning away is, is not the answer. I think there's a temptation in our society to feel kind of stupid turning to God. And there's this whole narrative of, again, no more, no more thoughts and prayers or like, oh, Jesus, Jesus is going to save us now. I was tempted twice to not talk about this yesterday. Both times that I got on my Instagram to talk about promoting prayer as a way to contribute to this cause and to do something, I was tempted to not say anything because I knew, again, that I was going to get heat for it. I knew people weren't going to like it. I knew I was going to get pushback. I knew people were going to get in my face over it. And yet I still felt God say, no, I need you to do this. I would just encourage you to pray and ask God, what are my action items? Like, what do you want me to do? And that might look different depending on where you live, depending on what your state's laws are, depending on what your children's school is doing to protect them or not protect them. And so it's going to look different for all of us. But why not involve God? Why not ask him to lead you to the solutions that are actually going to make a difference? Why not ask him to prompt you to know what to say when you call your representative? Do you know what to say? I don't know exactly what to say. But hopefully with some study, with some time put into what is going on in my community exactly in my kids school then you can take 
what you know and join that with having God on your side and make the best possible effort that you can make. Why not have God be on your side as you do that? And then in the meantime, you can't take away the pain that these families are experiencing, but I promise you, I promise, promise, promise you that if you've ever felt that stadium-like feeling of energy of people wanting so badly for a team to win a big game and you've felt and seen the effect that it has on players with people cheering them on and you you know what energy I'm talking about that that same type of energy is real when you pray when you pray for someone like how much more powerful is God going to be able to use your prayers to help these families and to help the people who are suffering and who are sad and who feel so much sorrow right now. So that's what I would challenge you to do is to get on your knees and pray and then get up and get to work. And why not have God on your side as you do it? Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.